Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Amen. Dear Christians, this world can be a lonely place, not only talking about the reality that sometimes there are no other people around. Yes, it's true that that sometimes happens. For example, when I was a kid, and it was still sociably acceptable for me to walk home by myself after school. My parents would not get home until a little while after I would. I'd be home by myself for about an hour or so. That's not the kind of loneliness that I want to talk about this evening. Because there's a loneliness that's much more difficult, much more painful. A type of loneliness that all of us face. The loneliness of sin. What I mean is this. We live our lives day in and day out with sin. Yes, we do as Christians seek to live holy lives, to avoid sin, to do what's right, but we still fall short, don't we? Our minds come up with different sorts of perverse thoughts. Our feet carry us to places that we ought not be. Our hands commit actions that they should not do. Our mouths speak words they shouldn't say. We sin. And for most of our sin, the truth is we do not get caught, at least not by other people. This means for much of what we do against God's word, we know about it, we know what we've done wrong, and God knows about it. God knows what we've done wrong. But no one else does. And we don't want them to. We don't want people to know the things we do wrong. Because we're afraid they'll think less of us. Afraid they'll judge us. Afraid they'll make fun of us. That leaves us in a rather lonely place, doesn't it? Hiding away from others so that they don't know our sin. For example, we come here and we sit in church we hear different parts of God's word, God's law. We know what it teaches and what it says. And we know how we've broken that word and law. But when we hear about what we've done wrong, we sit stoic, still. We don't move our eyes for fear that if we flinch or if we frown, 
or if we look away even just a little bit that the person sitting down the pew will know what we've done wrong. We can't let an outward sign of our guilt appear because we can't let other people know that we're guilty. So we sit still and stoic. We keep our sin inside where we can deal with it ourselves. At least that's what we tell ourselves. Maybe even when we hear about a particular sin, we glance over at someone else, deflecting the shame and guilt from ourselves. When we act such a way, we separate ourselves from one another. We sit in the church alone, even though we're surrounded by others. Or how about this? The way that we like to gossip Part of why we like to gossip is so that we can hide our own wrongs and guilt. It's nice to talk about someone else's sin to keep people off the trail of my own sin. It's good to set our neighbor down the trail of someone else's wrongdoing and shame so that ours might not be sniffed out. But when we do that, we again separate ourselves from each other and from the church. We do so because we think we can take care of our sin by ourselves, alone. We act like God's not around, like he doesn't know it, because we point out the sin of others. That's why we lie also, isn't it? Even to ourselves. If we're not honest about the fact that all of us here are sinful people, we'd be lying, both to the world and to ourselves. We say it regularly, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And we like to deceive in regards to our own sin. We don't want to speak the truth about who we are or what we've done. And the thing about telling lies is this, it is a very lonely business because those who tell lies are stuck with their lies by themselves. And so it is sin leaves us alone. Sin separates us from each other. 
Sin keeps us divided from ourselves and from God. That's the loneliness that we all deal with in one way or another. Each and every day of our lives, a self-imposed solitude and exile, all for the purpose of hiding our sin from others so that they might think better of us. It leads to a very lonely life. And when we feel that loneliness the most, it makes us angry. And in our anger, we often wrongly blame God. Where are you, God? Don't you know what a mess I'm in? Don't you know how much I've screwed things up? Why don't you help me? Don't you know that I'm alone? That anger continues the separation. You see, the reason that we're alone is because we've been running from God and His Word and the truth. It's terrifying to be alone in this way to know our own sin, but to be uncertain of where to turn or what could help with it. It's especially terrifying when we consider the fact that we aren't really alone in hiding our guilt and our sin and our shame and our wrongdoing because God always knows what we've done wrong. We cannot hide it from Him even though we try. He knows all our deeds. He knows all our sin. He knows all our weaknesses. He knows the things that our mouth has said. He knows the places that our feet have taken us, the deeds that our hands have done, the thoughts that are only in our mind. He knows He promises that sin will be punished. It must be punished. And if we're alone, that's a terrifying thought. Because if we're the only one standing before the judge and sin must be punished, it means we must be punished. If we're alone, then we have to pay the price. So repent of your sin. Repent and know this truth. You are not alone. Never. No, not ever. You are not alone because God sent his own son into our flesh to be with us always. To be Emmanuel, God with us day in and day out. We are not alone. 
And not only is God always with us in Jesus, but he knows our sin. And he takes all of it and he places it onto the shoulders of the one who's with us so that we don't have to carry it or bear its punishment anymore. Christ takes the punishment for us by going to the cross, by being killed, by being led into a tomb, dead and buried. And having suffered for our sin, Christ also rises from the dead to declare to us that the sin is gone forever. To promise that we have eternal life in his name, a place where we can be with God in peace and comfort and joy forever and ever without end. And if that promise for the end of our worldly lives were not enough, God still promises to be with us each and every day of our lives, to faithfully provide what we need to support our body, to constantly pour out his word and sacraments upon us, to create and sustain faith in his presence among us. God promises to be with us in the day of trouble and tribulation just as much as he's with us in the day of joy and celebration. God promises that in this world, in this life, we are never ever alone, but that Christ is always with us with forgiveness, mercy, and compassion for us, gathering us together as a hen gathers her chicks to keep them safe. Now there are two very large implications of that fact that Christ is always with us, an ever-present help in times of trouble. First, we no longer need to hide our sin. God already knows it. He's already given us the means for forgiveness for that sin. He's already given us the food of life. He's already washed it away in baptism. God knows our sin, so we don't need to hide it. He invites us to confess the sins that burden us, of which we are ashamed, and to hear the holy absolution so that we might find peace and comfort and forgiveness in Jesus Christ. You have pastors to hear any sin that you are burdened with and absolve it with the blood and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The sin which enters a pastor's ear dies with Jesus. And the second implication 
is this. Since you belong to Christ, since he is always with you, you are free. Free to avoid sin to the best of your human ability. Free to make sure your feet don't take you to places where you ought not be. Free to guard your mouth from saying things it shouldn't say. Free to stop your hands from doing what your sinful nature wishes them to do. Free to stop thinking perverted thoughts and to live as a Christian a person for whom Christ has lived and died. You're free to live like Jesus really is with you because he is really with you. And when we fail and fall, we repent, confess, and our return to the forgiveness of Jesus in the words of holy absolution. We no longer need to bear the burdens of our sin. We no longer need to be separated from those around us or from the church or from God. You won't earn forgiveness by confessing your sins. You won't earn forgiveness by living a sanctified life. They're both fruits of faith, gifts given to you by the one who won them on the cross. No, dear Christians, God has not forgotten you. You are not alone. In fact, it's the very opposite. And so now finally, we hear Isaiah's words from our Old Testament lesson this evening. Why do you say and speak, O Christian, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God? Have you not heard? Have you not seen? If God remembers the names of all the stars, he certainly remembers you. And you are not alone. He is the everlasting God. He does not faint. He doesn't grow weary. He is always with you. You are never alone. God gives power to the faint. He increases the strength in him who has none. You are never alone. God is always with you. You have never been alone. You are not alone now. And you never will be alone. Each and every day, even to all eternity. For Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.